Welcome to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Mauli Chikata, lead pastor at Grace Center. For more information about this message and our church, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244-010868. So today I'm teaching on the power of invitation. The power of invitation. We're looking at the power of invitation because um, next week, Sunday, is our Friends Day. And next week, Sunday, what we are doing is that we are asking everybody to come with a friend. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to bring a friend to church because through your invitation, there is a blessing that may come to you. You know, there's something special about invitation. There's something special about invitation. Especially when the person sometimes does not expect that the invitation will come. It, it makes one feel wanted and it makes one feel accepted. And we are doing this in this month of February because everybody, somewhere, somehow, we say February is the month of love. So everybody is talking about love in this month of February. So we're saying that next week Sunday, which is the last Sunday in the month of February, extend, show some love, extend a hand of love to a friend by inviting him or her to church. Praise the Lord. There are people who invite ladies out for a date but never invite them to church. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there, there are guys who go to every extent to invite a lady for a date. Praise the Lord. There, there, there are people who go to, to all extent, I mean, to invite ladies for a date. Because for them it is important, and and there are ladies who who receive invitation for a date, and it makes them feel so so special that hey, me to somebody has invited me for a date. There there are people who because of the business they do, they they invite their clients for lunch. Um, I mean, there are many times people call you because they want to sell a product uh, to you. And they'll say, can we meet at so-so-and-so place? You're like, oh, not really. Then say, okay, can we meet for lunch? Can we do Wednesday, 12.30, lunchtime? Where do we meet? We meet at this restaurant or meet at this hotel. Immediately, the invitation is accepted. You know why? Because of lunch, praise the Lord. So, so there are people who honor invitations because of lunch. I, I, I don't. I've shared this story with you before. I remember when when I was in the university, my first year in the university, and I joined the University Christian Fellowship, and they were setting up groups for Bible studies, and I found myself in the group, and I became a Bible study coordinator. And so, on my floor, I needed to be organizing Bible studies. Every weekend, every Saturday morning, you wake the guys up and then you have Bible studies with them. 
I went for the training. It was powerful. It was a powerful training. I had so much expectations, powerful expectations. Then my first, <laughs> my first Saturday of, of organizing the Bible study, the week before, I had done, printed um, sheets, sent it to room by room on the floor. And, oh, Charlie, we go come, 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 we go come. And after everything, Saturday morning, I woke up, 6.30, waiting for the guys to come. Nobody showed up. I went to the room, went to wake them up. Charlie, go, where they come? Charlie, are they go brush my teeth? Are they come? Or are they do the, you, you, you go, are they come? I went and nobody came. I was so disappointed. And then the next week, God gave me wisdom. So I organized food. Rice. Shito, sardine. Saturday morning. And I went around. Invited. I told them that this Saturday, there shall be food. There shall be a performance. Guess what? The boys came. They came because of the food. So there are people who, for you to have access to them, they need food. <laughs> there, there are people who never go for any meeting until they hear that there's going to be item 13. It, it doesn't matter how important the meeting is. It doesn't matter how impactful the meeting is. And, and I struggle to understand that sometimes you're doing something for somebody is for free. Just come and be blessed. The next thing they will ask you is, is there an item 13? So there are people like that. But we all feel special when we receive invitations. I mean, there are certain kinds of invitations when they drop on your, on, your, on, your, um, on your desk or on your table. You, 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 you feel special. Praise the Lord. I, I remember when I was working, there was a colleague who was, who was going to marry. And he was going from office to office. And was holding the invitation. He, you see... In the office, maybe you are doing, you are having your wedding. You just say, "All are invited." Then they will just post it on the notice board. His wedding, it wasn't posted on the notice board. He was going from office to office. So he, you are sitting there as a group in your office. You are working. Then he'll come. You are invited to my wedding. You are invited to my. Then how about me? No, you are not part. You are not part. <laughs> <laughs> you see. So those who were invited, there was something special about it. I don't know about you. I don't know what invitation you have received before, but there are certain invitations when they drop on your desk, you know that, yeah, you too, you are somebody. Praise the Lord. And so there's power in invitation because invitations affect both the person inviting and the one who is also being invited. Um, I know last year, I was just there and then I got an invitation, Charlie. 30 years of marriage, and we are inviting you to come. I said, Charlie, me to have become somebody. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I saw the invitation. I was like, whoa, where did it come from? I told Christian, I'm going for this wedding renewal. I was like, Pastor, I'll go with you. I said, no, it's strictly by invitation. <laughs> you know, you know, strictly by invitation. And it was, it was a beautiful... You see, when you are invited like that, for me, when I got there and I saw all these people, I was asking myself, hey, where, where am I? How did I, how did I find myself in the midst 
of such people on a day like this. Praise the Lord. And it makes you feel special. So there are, there are invitations that come to us that make us feel special. And one of those invitations is inviting somebody to, to church because the church is a very important place in the life of every human being. Everybody needs Christ. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs to encounter the truth of God's word. And God will not come down from heaven to invite people to church. God will use you and I to bring people to his house, to bring people to his fold. And when the opportunity is given to us to extend this hand of invitation, it, it is special. And you must see it as special. You see, it is because we don't see the invitation of people to church as special. That is why we treat it anyway, anyhow. But but when the invite is is, is a special one, you, you treat it well. And that is how invitation must be. We must carry our invitations with special, we must attach some kind of special mindset and special idea and special spirit to inviting people to church. Praise the Lord. God himself sends invitation to us. That's the first point we're going to look at. Divine invitations. The Bible is filled with so many invitations. God himself inviting people. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. For if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. Amen. God says, come. Come. God is inviting. It's an invitation. So God himself does not look at us and leave us where we are. He sees the sinner and he invites the sinner. God does not look upon the sinner in a way to reject him or her. God looks at the sinner and invites the sinner to himself. He says, come now, let us reason together. Let us talk together. Let us share together. And he says, though your sins are like scarlet, though, though you are a sinful person, by my invitation, I'm going to change your sin to become as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Some of us have not seen snow before, so we will not understand white as snow. Praise the Lord. But you have seen a wool before. You've seen cotton before. You've seen a white cotton before. It says, though your sin be red as crimson, red, they shall be as wool. So God is saying that by my invitation, I'll be able to change that which is colorful to colorless. I, I, will, I can be able to transform your life if only you will respond 
to my invitation. There are many people out there whose lives are not transformed, who are remaining in the state they are in because nobody has extended that special invitation to them. Praise the Lord. And God is positioning us in that place. If God himself sends invitation for us to come, why are we refusing to also extend invitation to others? If God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all of us, extends invitation and says we should come, why aren't we also extending invitation to others to come? And he says, when you come, he will offer forgiveness and he will give you a transformation that will impact your life. He, he's not inviting you to remain the same. He's inviting you for your life to be transformed. And that is what is going to happen when people respond to invitations. There's no way you respond to an invitation to come to church and you will remain the same. All of us here had to respond to an invitation to come. True or false? All of us here had to respond to an invitation to come. And you have come and you keep coming because there's something that is impacting your life. There's something that is transforming your life. And it's the same way you must give somebody that chance, that opportunity to come. How? You must invite. Can you imagine if that invitation did not come? Can you imagine if that invitation had not come to you to come? If that invitation did not come to you, the transformation you're experiencing today would not have happened. But you are experiencing what you're going through because someone sent you an invitation and you came. God invites and we must invite. Hallelujah. Jesus also invites. Jesus in Mark, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to the verse 30. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, Come all. Come to me. Jesus doesn't, he's not shying away from your problems. He's not afraid of the burden you are carrying. No matter what burden you carry, Jesus says to you, come. Many at times we are looking for nice people to invite. Many at times we are looking for good friends to invite. You see, we are looking for good people to bring to church. We're looking for good people to usher into church. Sometimes even the ushers, they are expecting that everybody who comes here should be a good person. But God is not looking for good people. God is looking for everybody, including the bad person. And there are many of us who we have cut off certain friends. We've relegated them. We've told ourselves that these kinds of people can 
not come to church. We've told ourselves, we've concluded. Now, as for this guy, he is not good for church. So, even though there is an opportunity for us to invite, we never do. Why? Because we have told ourselves that this person is not worthy enough for our invitation. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus says, come, all you who are weary and heavy lady, you are tired, come, you are laboring, come, and I will give you rest. The reason we invite people to church is so that they can encounter God, so that they can experience the rest of God, so that they can experience the transformation through Christ, so that their lives will be transformed. That is why God calls us to invite people to church. And if there be anybody around you who is weary, who is heavy laden, who does not look it, let them come. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let them come. Let them come. He says, for the Son of Man did not come but to seek and to save the lost. Those who are lost. He didn't, he didn't come looking for those who are good. He came looking for those who are bad. So you have friends and you say, oh, you know, go follow me, go church. You know, go follow me, go church. You see, but Jesus wants everybody to come to him. The Holy Spirit also invites. So we've seen God the Father inviting. We've seen Jesus inviting. And the Holy Spirit in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. Verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come! And let him who hears say, Come! And let him who tests, Come! Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Can I hear an amen? amen? It says, The water of life is free. And anyone who desires takes the water of life. But the most important point here I'm trying to let us see is that the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, invites us to come. And he says, let him who, hear, who hears say, come. So all of us who hear the word of God, who hear what the Spirit of God is saying, what are we supposed to say? What are we supposed to say? We are supposed to invite. We are supposed to go out there and proclaim, come. 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 And come is an active word. It's a word that moves with action. It means that when we are inviting, there has to be an action to it. Both from the person saying it and the person who is receiving it. Praise the Lord. When I say come, I'm expecting that you come. Some of us, as we are preaching, as I'm preaching right now, when we close and I say, Charlie, are you bringing your friends? The first thing you tell me is, oh, Pastor, my friends, they will not come home. They will not come. You see, because you don't have any expectation of your invitation to work. And you go like, oh, Pastor, oh, my, I know them. You don't know them. You don't know what work God is doing in the heart of you. You are not God. You are not God. To know the kind of work God is doing in the heart of his sons and daughters. 
You are not God to know everything. Maybe the day you will say come is the day God has spoken to the heart of the person to say to the person that this is the time. This is the moment. Yours is only to proclaim come and be expectant that your, your proclamation will work. So we see God inviting people. We see Jesus inviting people. We see the Holy Spirit proclaiming his invitation to us. And he says that when we come, we receive the water of life. We receive the water of life. We receive the abundance of life. He, he quenches our soul. He satisfies our soul. The psalmist said that as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs after you. You know, you know the thing about the deer? This is, this is a psalmist who is living in a desert place and he's writing about this animal called the deer. It says, as the deer pants for the water. In the desert, it is difficult to, pant, to, to, to find water. Water in the desert is rare. But it is told that the deer always has a smell for water. The deer always smells where water is. And when the deer smells that there is water here. It leaves everything to focus on finding where the water is. And so when the psalmist says that, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. He's saying that my soul longs after you until I find where the water is, until my soul is satisfied. I'm not giving up. It doesn't matter what is happening. Until the deer finds the water, it is never satisfied. And guess what? He says, when we come to him, he satisfies our soul with the water of life. There are many around us who are looking for the water of life. And God is just asking us to bring one of these persons. One. One person. One person. One more for Jesus. One. One more for Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have seen people in the scriptures who have invited many to come. In John chapter 4, we see such a great invitation. In John chapter 4, we see this, this powerful invitation that happened from the verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, John, though he himself did not baptize by his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sika, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings 
with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Say, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And, you, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. You, where you will need, when you need her on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled. This verse of scripture, verse 26, take it very important. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. This is the place Jesus himself, out of his own mouth, declares that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Hallelujah. There are people who say Jesus never said he was the Messiah. Christians who say that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus himself spoke here. They say, oh, when Pilate met him, Jesus couldn't open his mouth to say that he's a Messiah. Jesus said it here, that he is the Messiah. Praise the Lord. Verse 27, at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked to a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say that there is still four months and then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Verse 39, 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had to come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Praise be to the name of the Lord. This is a powerful encounter that shows us the power of an invitation. Now, this is a woman that nobody wanted to deal with. There are many people who say this woman was a prostitute. No, there's nowhere in this scripture that talks about her being a prostitute. It talks about her having husbands. She, 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 was, she was not, she was not um, um, somebody who was promiscuous. And if you understood Hebrew tradition, divorce was not permitted. So if you were a divorcee woman to be married again, would be very difficult. So her husbands were not people that she may have divorced. Are you following? She may have had an encounter with men and they have died. So this one marries her, the person dies. 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 And so there's fear around her. And everybody's afraid to go around her. And there's stigma around this woman. So much stigma around this lady. To the extent that she went out when nobody could see her. She went out when nobody could see her. If you understood the, the, the Jewish tradition also, fetching of water was a moment of having conversations. It's like it was, some of us bear that same tradition with the Jews where when you went to the village, early in the morning, you saw everybody carrying their pot, going to the riverside to go and fetch water. What happens there? A lot of coconuts happens there. Praise the Lord. Oh, I said praise the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes when you ask them go and fetch water, they'll say they'll not fetch water. But as soon as they see a friend carrying their pot, going to fetch water, oh, they said, Jesus, we, we must talk about this matter. I'm going to fetch the water. So they gathered around fetching of water. There were a lot of stories. Things happened when people went to the well to fetch water. But guess what? This woman, because of the stigma around her, decided to go at a time where nobody was at the well. And when she went, she met Jesus. And she had this beautiful encounter with Jesus. And she was surprised. And she said, are you the Christ? She said, we know that when the Christ comes, he will tell us of everything. And Jesus said, yes, I am the Christ. Me talking to you, I am the one you are expecting. You know, sometimes we are looking for things that God has already made available in our lives. But we are so blind that we can see and experience the blessing of the things that God has placed all around us. It's like, it's like Hagar when she took Ishmael and, 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 and she was about to, to allow the boy to die. The angel appeared to her and said, there is a well right here. The well had always been there, but she never saw it. How many of us are missing out on things that are around us, that God has supplied for us, still expecting God to do another miracle? May the Lord have mercy on us. Amen. 
So Jesus tells her that I am the person you are looking for. I am. I am the one. She begins arguing about where they ought to worship and everything. And Jesus tells her that, no, the hour is coming and now is where you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go to any mountain. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Lord is seeking those who will worship him. God is looking for true worshipers. In other words, there can be false worshipers. It says, God is looking for those who worship him in truth and in spirit. There are people who can worship God in falsehood. And it abounds. Amen. Any worship that does not lead you to Jesus is a false worship. <laughs> it's as simple as that. All our worship must direct us to Jesus. Not to ourselves. Not to any man. But to Jesus. The Christ. Christ, the son of the living God. He's the one we are to worship. That is the focus of worship. So she has this encounter with Jesus. After that encounter, what happened to her? She went into the city. She went into the city. And went and spread the news about, about Jesus. In verse 28, the Bible says, the woman left her water pot. She forgot that she came to fetch water. Went her way into the city and said to the man, to, to the man, come. She said to the man, the same man who did not want to come close to her, the same woman who had a lot of stigma around her, the same woman who was filled with so much shame, the same woman who was filled with so much rejection, the same woman that nobody wanted to have anything to do with, for which reason she could not even follow her fellow women to the well to fetch water. She went and told them to come. She went and sent an invitation to them to come and see, he said, come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. This is such a powerful encounter that tells us that when we encounter Jesus, we don't keep quiet about him. It is an aberration for you to encounter Jesus and keep quiet about it. It is very abnormal for you to encounter Jesus and not send an invitation to somebody to also come and encounter Jesus. It is wickedness to encounter Jesus and remain quiet about it. Let me ask you this question. In this whole difficult economic situation we are going through, right? And you find that Maybe there's a place that a product, let's say a bag of rice, with great quality, and it is going for 30 CDs. And you go to the shop, you buy the rice, 30 CDs, and you take it home, you cook the thing. Ah, there's no difference. Everything is well. You go back again, you go and ask, ah, Madam, how much is it? He said, it's 30 CDs. Oh dear, mommy, five, come away. <laughs> then you carry it, you take it to your home. And then you find your friend who comes to you and says, Charlie, you, I get 120. I beg, borrow me 20 CDs. 
20 cities, what did they take 20 cities go do? Oh, 20 cities, I want to add it so that I'll go and buy 5 kilo rice. It's going for 140. Then you keep quiet. They say, okay, you take the 20 cities, go buy the 140. Then you go pay me later. <laughs> you, you see how you are uncomfortable? You see how uncomfortable you are? But it is the same thing we do. It's the same thing we do. We encounter Jesus and we keep quiet. There are some of us, but for Jesus, the struggle, the pain, the problems you've gone through and you are going through, but for Jesus, you would have killed yourself by now. You would have committed suicide by now. But for Jesus, your life would not have been where you are today. But you are the most quiet person about Jesus in the whole world. There are some of you, your friends don't even know you are churchgoers. Some of you, the way you, you dress to church, nobody knows you are coming to church, which is good. Which is good. The way you even leave home does not tell where you are going. But if you dress like me on a Sunday morning, everybody knows that if you dress like, oh no, me, I wear this every day. So, Evans, come. <laughs> he is one of the people, people doubt that they go to church. <laughs> this guy, his friends doubt that he goes to church. On a Sunday morning when you dress like this, everybody knows you are going to church. Oh, elder, yes. Church elder. Church elder. Church elder. So everybody knows that you are going to church. But this one. This is church elder. This one doesn't look like he's going to church. Not at all. Not at all. He's just going to check his half hour. Come, 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 come. No, come, 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 come. My guy, come. Yes, yes, yes. Come, come, come. Between my good friend, Magic, and Sammy, who looks like that one going to church? Magic looks more like the church guy than this guy. You see? But Magic, your parties, they know say be church, you they come. Or they think say you they go family meeting. <laughs> so sometimes even the way we leave home does not tell that we are going to church. Yet we are the ones who come to church early. We are the ones who are praying. We are the ones who are doing Bible studies. We are the ones who are singing. We are the ones who are doing everything in church. Yet our mouth is quiet. We've never sent out an invitation to somebody that come. This woman went out to the same people. Went out to the very people who rejected her. Who stigmatized her. Who made her uncomfortable associating with people to tell them to come. So the question is, who are you telling of the blessing of Jesus in your life? This woman, it didn't take her one day. It didn't take her one week. Immediately she left the presence of Jesus. She went out to invite people. Many of us, as for some of us, 
These messages, we have heard it down. As I, when I came and I said, I'm going to preach on the power of invitation. You tell yourself, Pastor, not again. You know, I want deeper revelation. Pastor, with me, I prepared my heart. Hebrews chapter 2, we are in verse 5. Pastor, let's continue with verse 5 and let's stop this invitation, invitation matter. Praise the Lord. Because as for you, you think that you have passed that level. You see, you have, you have passed the level. Even God has not passed the level of inviting. Jesus has not passed the level of inviting. The Holy Spirit has not passed the level of inviting. But you have arrogated on yourself that I have passed the level of invitation. May the Lord have mercy on us. This woman went. And guess what? Remember that in the verse 4, the Bible says, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria and listen to the encounter the woman had with Jesus. Listen to it carefully. When Jesus, in the verse 7, as a woman of Samaria came to draw water, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me a samaritan woman for the jews have no dealings with the samaritans that's the truth the jews had no dealings with the samaritan because the jews believed that they were the pure people they were the people through whom salvation will come from from which jesus confirmed that salvation is of the jews the samaritans they were a mixed race of jews and the assyrians so because they went and married and gave birth and, and, and mingled with the people, they were seen by the Jews as not pure Jewish people. Have you, have you seen where a, a, a throne or a seat is available for chieftaincy and then somebody is chosen, then they say he's not a pure breed. Have you heard that before? They'll say that his mother went to marry somebody or his father married somebody and so it's not pure. That was how the Jews were treating the Samaritans, that they were not pure. So Jews and Samaritans never had anything to do. They were like enemies. That's why Jesus gave the story of who is your neighbor. You see, and he used a Samaritan to demonstrate who a good your neighbor is. The priest walked by, the friend walked by, all the people who saw him walked by. All of them were Jews. They never treated him. It was the stranger, the one whom they had no dealings with, who came. What am I pointing at? The same people that had issues with the Jews. When the Samaritan woman went to preach and invited them, the whole city came. Guess who they came to? They came to listen to Jesus. And they concluded that Jesus is the Messiah. The same people who were fighting with the Jews now came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Listen to me, child of God. There are things that God can do through your singular invitation that will transform the lives of generations in your family. Generations of people around you. Generations around you. Future generations that are waiting for you to just say, come, yet you are quiet. A whole city was transformed by one woman's invitation. I don't know who it is who is here who would take this message and say that I am going to invite and through you, a whole city will be transformed. 
Are you hearing amen? The woman went and the whole city came to Jesus. And that was how Jesus' mission in Samaria was accomplished. There are missions of God that will be accomplished because you availed yourself to invite and to bring somebody to church. And when the people came, they saw the Messiah. We are not inviting people to come and see our church. We are not inviting people to come and see our pastor. We are not inviting people to come and see where we are. We are inviting people to come and have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus we preach. It is Jesus we want to be to be known. It is Jesus we want people to know and to worship. It is Jesus we want people to know and to fellowship with. It is Jesus we are propagating. And so we are inviting people to come to church so that Jesus will be worshipped. That's the most important thing in the life of every human being. Despite everything you do, Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? But loses his soul. The most annoying thing to ever experience is when you have suffered and struggled and found your breakthrough and you want to share with a friend and a friend tells you, ah, all this while you didn't know this. How many of you have experienced some before? <laughs> you are looking for something. You suffer when you get it and you want to tell your friend that, oh, Charlie, I've gotten it too. And they ah, now I'm sad here with you. say, hey. <laughs> That's wickedness. That's wickedness. And there are many friends around us who one day will come and they'll be testifying about the goodness of the Lord. And you stand there and you just, ah, now what if I wish you Jesus? May that not be our story. May our story be that we are the ones inviting and bringing people to church. Praise the Lord. And let me tell you, the best way, the best way to evangelize is friends and family. That's the best way. People who become your friends, people who become your family, you draw them to church. You draw them closer to the Lord. You bring them to the place where you are impacted. You bring them to the place where they will grow. You bring them to the place where they will know the Lord and their lives will be transformed. Somebody said, oh, Pastor, me, I've already brought my friends. No, go and make new friends this week. <laughs> you know, we are hypocrites. Oh. Do you know that somebody can meet you right now and out of discussion, strike a deal with you good morning maybe not even good morning just some small deal the next time they see you, you say oh it be my party have you have you seen some before it be my guy be my guy yeah so so you can easily find my guy this week <laughs> find your guy this week and bring him to church bring her to church praise the lord and let us glorify God. Let us worship God together. Let us show love. Let us impact lives. Let us see people's life transform through the power of our invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All the people God said to come, when they came, there was transformation. There, there is power in an invitation. Ask yourself, if you didn't come, when you were invited, where would you be? There are some of you who say, Pastor, if I don't come to church, I won't go to church at all. When I hear that, I fear. I panic. 
There are some of you who say, you don't go to church at all. And I panic. There are people who have left this place to other regions and you, you literally force them, go to church. They, they will not go to church. Why? Because somewhere, somehow, there is an impact in their lives. And you cannot remain the same. Let somebody also experience the impact you are also experiencing. Praise the Lord. All God is asking you to do is to invite somebody. He's not saying, bring the person and come and stand on the pulpit and preach. God is not saying, come and preach. God is saying, invite. Just invite the person. All you are doing is getting the person a seat to sit on. Is that one too difficult? The woman, when she invited them, when they came, what did they say? They said, ah, we believe that he's the Christ. How? Because we have heard him ourselves. Let somebody encounter God for themselves. But before hearing him, somebody had to tell them to come. Somebody had to pull them from wherever they were. Maybe in your neighborhood, you feel like, oh, uh, me, people don't see me like that. People don't see me. This woman, people never saw her like that. They saw her as somebody who was cursed. Who was cursed because all her husbands had died. All of them. First husband died. Second husband died. Third husband died. Fourth husband died. Fifth husband died. If you do, you go go near. You see? So she had, she had a stigma around her. But this is the person God chose. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's like the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief corner. The whole city, nobody was worthy of seeing the Lord, encountering the Lord, than this woman who was described as cursed, who was rejected. Maybe you've been rejected in your family. You, nobody respects you in your family because everybody has gone to school. All of them are working. You are the only person at home. There's nothing to show. And your prayer is that, Lord, the reason you are coming to church is that you want God to bless you so that you show your family something. <laughs> Maybe that's your story. God is not waiting for you to get to that level. No. God is saying, now. 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 Some of you want to postpone the invitation. God is saying, no. Now. You say, oh, if something better happens to me, you know, pastor, you wait. When, when, when something better happens and I start to dress and I buy the car, pastor, it will shock you, pastor. It will shock. Listen, you buy the car and you will not do it. So, the invitation must go now. Live here with the mindset and the idea that my life must invite people to church and to encounter God. And I pray for you and I that we'll not keep quiet about inviting people. We'll not keep quiet. Thank you for listening to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week with Pastor Mauli Chikata. For more information, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244 to get in touch with our ministry.